If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations, Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Hope you're well. Thanks for joining us. On the heels of Florida State falling to Clemson, we didn't spend a lot of time on the game specifics, whether it's the fake punt, which we glossed over a little bit, or some of the other elements, because I think what takes place moving forward is of vital importance. And that was the emphasis, as I recap a little bit here for that first hour, that I think you know now now's the time where you get to see just where Florida State's at and the importance of that. It's important to know uh, that Florida State is continuing to improve and get better and, and they can win some football games in games in which they're evenly matched. Um, and in some cases, they have a distinct advantage, so you definitely have to win those. Uh, and then the others, it will come down to key situations, and they have not played key situations well so far this year. Um, Ira did a good job of bringing that up in his three-two-one piece. We'll talk with Ira this hour. Um, I think it, you know, it, it, it is evident to all who watch that uh, the teams that are better than Florida State don't seem to make these mistakes in crucial moments, and they find their path to victory a little easier because of it. Florida State's got to clean that up when the moments present themselves. You know. I also need one one specific thing here. I'm fine on fourth and two going for it there in the first half. I, In fact, I have zero problem with that. In fact, if he hadn't gone for it, I'd have a problem with that. But I need my quarterback to make better decisions. Um, that is on Jordan Travis, period. It's the right play call. They have a first down if he throws to the flat. Uh, but he doesn't. He makes a low percentage throw into coverage. And that's on him. And so he's, you know, listen, he's not perfect. Nobody is. But that's a bad time to make that decision. That's a bad time to take that risk. Take the sure thing. Get the first down. Let's go. Move along. We're, we're doing just fine here. 
He also misses Johnny down the field earlier in that drive, which hurts. And uh, he missed Johnny in the end zone a couple of times on the fades, which that catch radius is massive. Anything within that giant net of a catch radius and, yeah. and 14's in position to make the play and score the touchdown. Now, in the end, they get good field position out of it, and they score later. But those two minutes count for something. Oh, big time. I mean, at the end of the game, wouldn't you like to have another couple minutes on the scoreboard? Yeah, man, that's uh, very, very frustrating. Uh, that These last three games, partly because you've played better teams, Jordan's mistakes um, are illuminated a little bit more. And, you know, he's having a, a, a good season, um, but he was having a great season. But it changes when you play better teams and those decisions get magnified. you gotta, you, you got to hit open guys. Now, he was betrayed at NC State with all the drops. But you got to hit open guys. And then you got to make good decisions when you have options, and almost all of these uh, play calls have options. The quarterback has you know, places he can go with the football beyond just a singular place. I, you know, I'd like to think, and I don't know what's said between the two of them before that play, but I'd like to think my quarterback understands that it, what is of vital importance here is the two yards. <laughs> I mean, right. yeah, sure, somebody, if blown coverage, streaking down the field wide open, hit him, fine. Yeah, I mean. But, it, but we need the two yards. You here. see on the grease board, too, there are times in, in non-fourth down situations where it's check down to touchdown or however they want to prioritize mm -hmm. it, fourth and two, and you're not throwing to a dude who's got a, an issue catching the ball and a dude who's got a trouble uh, or has a hard time fighting through content, uh, contact. Lawrence Toafili has been outstanding these last couple of weeks yeah. in short yardage situations catching contested passes he's been really really good it started with the louisville game oddly i there are times i just think he may be a better receiver than he is running back and he's starting to come on as running back too and he looks good well he already knows how to cut up on an outside zone and that was the thing i saw in preseason mm -hmm. camp where, where mm -hmm. we weren't allowed to talk about it yet and i said he's starting to do some things that That's nobody exciting. else can do if he gets stronger man and if we decide to run outside zone more which i think they will he understands in a way that Chris Thompson did how to wait and then go. Is he as fast, 0-60 to 60 as Thompson? No, but he's a plus player, and he's tough. It, it started in the Louisville game. There was a third-down conversion in the second quarter yep, yep. where he has to adjust on a bad pass behind him yep. and then also take a hit immediately, and Toa Feely did both of those things. So you take that, you move forward with 10 examples of that dude being tough as nails and fighting and understanding where he needs to be, how to get a yard if you need only the yard on a third down or a fourth down. Which is important because he screwed that up earlier in the year. Correct, and last year he did as well. That's why he was in the doghouse last year. So mm -hmm. that shows development and improvement. That's the guy who's open on fourth and two. Well, For crying out loud, that's the guy who's open. It's a good play concept, and it's the right play, and he makes the wrong throw. So, you know, I need him to be better. I mean, there's there's, a, there's always enough blame to go around after any loss. There's a lot of stuff we can talk about. I Clemson's a better football team than Florida State, and um, that's why I was less frustrated with this loss than, say, NC State. The NC State game was really quite frustrating um, for, for obvious reasons. And that's not to say that Jordan did make plays. He made plenty of plays. That first yeah. touchdown is unbelievable. Well, I, I just I feel like internally I've gone about through five or six mistakes that he made, and he did make those. But yeah, he did. He also gets you out of some bad stuff and turns it into positive plays. And then that touchdown is, uh, their first touchdown, is perfectly defended by Clemson. They've got an account for everything. Yeah, except for your boy except, gets shook out his shoes. Yep. It's embarrassing. And that's what that dude does. <laughs> so. I, uh, I laughed uh, pretty hard. Uh, at, and, and when I went back, when I got home and watched again, I, I want, I, specifically before I went to bed, I went to that play because I could see it in real time that that guy got juked, but I wanted to see the other angle, and you're, I just 
I mean, that's that's kind of fun to giggle at. You're like, ooh, yeah. he's frozen. Matthew texted me about it. In fact, <laughs> it's like, sir, no, that's evil. You know, if you had in a different life, that dude is a punt returner would be a nightmare Jordan Travis would be just because of that short area movement. But the one thing I'd say, we haven't talked about this, and and I didn't see it too much in in the wrap-up for any of our colleagues, the illegal shifts and motion issues in general. Mm. That is something that can be remarked on and criticized. You've got two illegal shift penalties. Both are killers, the second of which is a Ja'Kai Douglas catch up the right side. Yeah. And it's basic stuff. I mean, that... to stop. Yes. You can't move towards the line of scrimmage. And the play before the fumble, yeah. the play before the fumble on second and 12, what puts you in second and 12? Right. It's a poor execution of the motion. You've got the tight end moving from one side of the formation to the other so you can indicate and understand what's going on. He and Robert Scott get crossed up on their blocking assignments because they're not ready when the ball is snapped. And I promise you, if you look at that first down play and see the point of the pitch and what they have, right. not to be Jimbo, but it's going to at least, least going to put you in the red zone. It's You're going to be gate. inside the 20-yard line. I think Jordan still could have pitched it, personally. I think he could have. But I understand why he froze, because you've got guys who are making basic errors before the snap of the football. You can't have that. No, not in a big game against really good teams that can do something about it. And when you have to execute all of the details in order to have success. And they did it. I mean... This is very balanced, Tom. I mean, it's okay to criticize that because we also lauded them and gave them the credit they deserve for the game plan. Nobody thought they could run outside zone against Clemson coming into this game. Uh, very few people did. Obviously, they did. They believed it. They saw something. They Their video review said, yo, we absolutely can and we will. And they did successfully in a way that nobody else has done. And they get huge amounts of credit for that. But you're right. You get criticism for not executing some of the basic things that allow you to have success in critical moments. Again, it gets back to critical moments. I'm not going to harp on it for any longer, but that first down play before the fumble, go ahead, folks, if you can stomach it, take a look. And you'll want to vomit like I want to vomit when I think about it. We'll move forward, though. That game plan was outstanding. It was awesome. And it gives me hope moving forward that um, and I, I feel like we've said this a lot and I don't know why anymore that I'm surprised. I'm going to rectify that. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to, to when we do the pregame show, I'm not going to say, we can't do this. Whatever it is, I'm not going to say that because there have been game plans that were you know, pass heavy against teams that have had defenses that successfully guard against big plays time and again, and then we hit them for three or four big plays. So I'm like, okay, well, that, all right. They saw something. They schemed it up. And then there have been games where I thought, well, we really can't block this group. I mean, we just don't physically have the horses to do it. And then we're out here running up and down the field uh, as if those guys aren't all ACC, all American type players that are going to get drafted in the first two rounds. Because they are. Those guys are. They're really good. But, man, uh, they game plan well around here. I will say that. Is Adam Fuller having a good year? <laughs> it's a simple question, but I feel like it's interesting. <sighs> Well, it's not the disaster that our fans, a lot of our fans think it is. It's not great either. So, I think it's a a, a middling type year. Yeah. I, I now listen. There are reasons in some cases, not excuses. Not having Fabian Love it hurts. I mean, he is a massive difference maker for you. But and- we've overcome that in a lot of these games. And they're going on record saying that Amarian Cooper is injured. So we've got to go with that. 
is not having your best corner. Well, I, I, I'm not going to call in, him that anymore. I, I, so? When he was healthy, he didn't play well, and now he's not healthy. And I, I he's got to earn that again. He at the end of last year, he was moving in that direction, and we believed it. Nothing since that time has shown that to be the case. So, get healthy, young man. If that's the problem, I don't want to you know belabor the point. If he's hurt, hurt, um, trying to play through it, and it's caused him to to be terrible at his job. I actually don't blame the defense for the two scores in the second half of 10 points because it's a kickoff return and then a trick play. I mean, you, no, know, you, you, know, you don't have to go reverse that on the trick play. I understand. It's it, He's in decent – it's a trail on a, on a tight end who's released late on a trick play that they haven't seen before. That's, that's tough, and it's a 30-yard gain. It's not like it was a 30-yard gain to the 50. That kickoff return really kills you in that situation. He gets caught up in the wash, so he comes down. Right. Then, yeah. We do that to other teams, too, where you scheme it up and you go, geez, that, that's why the hell open – a trick is a gimmick, and then you get the short field right after, and I get that they trot in, but the hold counts. That's a real thing, or else DJ's probably stopped at the two- or three-yard line, and you force a field goal there. So that's that's the only blemishes that you have in that half. Of course, I'd like them to get off the field a little bit earlier later in the half, but, I mean, honestly, I, I think in general they improved greatly in the second half. You look at the drive chart and you see six straight scores. I don't think it's that simple to break it down and say they scored six straight times. But this Screw is, Adam Fuller. Yeah, but he also doesn't get the benefit of the doubt because every week they give up a touchdown to start the second half. However they arrive at it, they do. They, they just do. Yeah. Always. It was the only one they gave up against NC State, period. It was a big deal. It got him back in the game, and I didn't bitch about the defense after yeah. the NC State game. I bitched about the offense, right. and I actually I bitched about the offense after the Wake game. Correct. So I was complaining about the offense in those two games. I wasn't complaining about the defense. I feel like there are some Wake Forest complaints that are rising to the surface from the fan base after the Clemson game, which I find strange. It's almost uh, like we're rewriting what Fuller did or did not do in the Wake Forest game because of the failures down the stretch here. Yeah. The inexcusable is the short is the um, what do they call it? Uh, sudden change mm-hmm. after the fumble at midfield. You, you, you know, you're allowed to make a stop there. You don't have to give up a, a run up the gut immediately. What the hell? Right. I agree there. That was bad. Well, I, I don't think – listen, I, I've been disappointed with the back end. I've talked a lot about that. I don't feel like our secondary communicates as well as they should. Um, ultimately, a defensive coordinator is going to be the one to take the blame because it falls under – the totality of the purview that he's responsible for, right, is 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 the defense. There may be some other guys that uh, need to be replaced. Um, right. Yeah, right. that's all I'm saying. The secondary has regressed. This yes. Season. Yes, they have across the board, uh, except yes. for Renardo Green. Sorry. Who is forgive the, me, Renardo? Who's the surprise of the season? And he made a great play on one on one. That's a moment of growth. He's the surprise of the season. He was the surprise coming out of camp. He's been the surprise of the season across the board. We did not think that Renardo Green was going to be your most reliable corner and that you weren't really going to even worry about him. Now, is he dominant? No. Is he elite? No. But is he your best corner currently? Yeah. Yeah, he is. And if he was who Renardo Green is with Omarion Cooper, who we thought we were going to see, you'd feel very good about your you'd corner be pleased. play. You'd be pleased. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, think they, I don't think they communicate well on the back end. I, it, it's been a problem. Uh, every year. And, you know, they, they cleaned some things up last year in the second half of the season, and we lauded them for it, but that's, those first four games counted too. And so, you know, you come on now. Let's see that improve. Let's see that improve. I Again, you can argue that maybe it does improve with better players. 
when you get better players. Uh, maybe when McCall is starting to go along with Shaheen Brown, to go along with Azaria Thomas, we're having less communications problems. You could start that process sooner, perhaps. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, right? I mean, they... 20 was out there a lot. Yeah. 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 I just, it's, it's, it is frustrating, though, because it is fairly consistent. That part of it is consistent. The, the miscommunications, the confusion that you see at least once every game, usually a lot more than once, and, and that is aggravating. Um, that, so that's, that keeps me from saying he's having a good year, but I don't think he's having a bad year. I don't, I, you know, I, I think they would be even better. Obviously, if Fabian Lovett was out there, I mean, you haven't had him since the end of game one. The concern I have is is that first touchdown. We, I mean, I did a deep dive on DJ's numbers, which is don't blitz him, but pressure him, which is a hard thing to do because that means you've got to you rely on a front with four, your front four that does not include Fabian Lovett. So I understand if if you need to try and dial some stuff up, but it's it's a first down. It's not necessarily a do or die moment. Um, there, there are some calls during the course of games where I go, I don't know what he's doing there, but in general, I feel like he's game planned well. It's much like the general talking points about I this think, game for I the think, offensive staff. Yeah, I think he knows what he's seeing. It's not, it's not confusion. He's, he's not incompetent or anything like that. Um, he's coordinating the group better. Remember that was the basic year, question last year. I brought it up through the first four or five weeks. They weren't coordinated. It looked like a, like the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. Uh, the front didn't match the back end, and they didn't play together. They were not coordinated in the first half of last season. And this year, that there have been no such complaints. Now, that's not an elite defense by any stretch. They've got to get better. In particular, they got to get better on the back end. But I also think they've got to hopefully, and they're recruiting to this end, hopefully they're better at linebacker. Tatum Bethune has been an upgrade for us. He's not great in coverage, but he's an upgrade. And then, obviously, we've been pretty pleased with Kalen Deloge. After that, you really don't have anybody. They rotate a lot, too, at linebacker, yeah. even with those deficiencies. You see a lot of 46, and Brendan Gant was out there again. Yeah, and yeah. He makes some big-time mistakes, but then also he shows a sign. And there was a big-time tackle in a one-on-one mm -hmm. against DJ. I don't know that he gets credit for the tackle, but he gets credit for the stop, and then you have help on the way. So there are moments where you see Gant looking good, but... I do predict, though, that the second half of this season, the, these five games that I'm going to continue to harp on and talk about revealing the answers that you're desperate to know. There's a whole lot of being in limbo right now. There's some real good things that we're all excited about that we've shined a light on, and there's some negative things that you're frustrated by that have led to losses that we've also talked about. You have to. you got to take the good with the bad and talk about it all. But there are some things you're just not sure of yet that, that you can't say definitively, and it's... It's important for the program to have a lot of success in these next five games coming off the bye. It's very important. I think it's important for Mike. I think it's important for the fans. Fans are obviously not on the sidelines on Saturday's coaching football, so I'm less concerned with the fans. But the whole operation is affected by these next five games, and the fans are part of that. Okay, Program health. Fans are included in program health. Um, viability. Uh, is it an attractive place to go play? Fans are included in those conversations. So these five games, I think, are going to provide the fans with the answers they need. Yeah, I'm all in, feeling good. Eight and four, nine and three, good season. Stinks with that little three-game losing streak hiccup in there, but I saw a lot of improvement. Definitely can tell we're going in the right direction. All in, let's go. Let's sell it out next year and be ready to ride. 
Let's continue to build on these successes. Or, or sadly, if it goes south and he's below average in these five games, that is to say they go two and three somehow in these next five games, I don't think you'll have the fan support. I don't. I think that they'll look at this and say, eh, nah, he's done some things well, but this isn't the guy. That's what they'll say. He's made it better, but somebody's got to come in and finish the job. That's, that's yeah. what people will say. And you can you, listen, each one of you will debate for yourselves and with each other whether or not that's fair, unfair, more than fair, exceptionally unfair. <laughs> you guys will have that debate. That's fine. That's what we do. I mean, we talk about it on Sports Talk Radio. We have an opinion about it. We all have this common love, passion, interest in Florida State football. And we debate its relative health and where it's going all the time, even when it's really good. And that's fine. It's healthy to do that. You should do that. But it will be greatly affected by how we play in these next five games. That conversation. Irash Shafel will join us very shortly. Jeff Cambridge on 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chat TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. I have missed some uh, some kind souls in the chat. I A lot of times when I'm locked in on the points that I'm making, I don't always get the opportunity to check in Whoa! here, and now I see that uh, that I have failed. Sorry, Marcus. Jeff, agree with your take on our fans' take on Norvell. Unfortunately, I found our fans not as kind as I once imagined. We were spoiled. P.S. Go Birds. Um. Well, I, listen, Marcus, I, I think it's important to point out here that is every fan base. That is every fan base. Large swaths of people, uh, collectives of any kind, generally speaking, suck. Um, whereas individuals are fine. Amen. So if you were to sit down and talk with anybody, no matter what their beliefs politically, religious, you name it. Most individuals can sit across from each other and have a conversation and uh, reason with their differences and figure it out and whatever, move forward uh, friendly. Large groups of people, oh, no, no, they tend to chant and have hand signals and do all kinds of things that are very generally dangerous. Hand signals. Yeah, weird stuff. So when you describe Woo! when you describe fans... Uh, you know, that's that's uh, that's that's the deal. It's, it's, and also, with the advent of social media, um, you don't see the best in people in social media, right? Most people in, in, that are on social media, especially ones that are very loud on social media, angrily pointing to a team or a player, that is a very vocal minority. So that's what that is. Don't let that paint the picture of all fans. Like if you see it on Twitter or a message board or Facebook, or that's not really a great representative of people. 
that's the representative of a vocal minority that are insane. It's just a bunch of people that are in the customer service line who are looking for a fight all together yeah, yeah, yeah. at once. And they have a collective voice where they can, you know, you know, yeah. you know, we've all heard this, right? We've all had the conversation about it. used to be the village idiot was told to shut up and was exposed for being an idiot. And that was great. That was great. You're like, oh, Ted over here is a dumbass. This laptop doesn't work. Uh, right. But Sir, then, you dropped it. But then, then obviously, um, they were given a voice and they found the other dumbasses. And they rose up and... He's right. Even if he drops the <laughs> la- the customer's always right. <laughs> Sir. Uh, so there's that. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate your... Uh, I, you didn't have a question. Woo! And thank you, South Florida 01. Bill writes, coming from Pensacola if we win six. Well, we will. All right. Then we're he's e- making a trip. We're easily winning six. You better save the, uh, or fill up the gas. Come on, You're buddy. Good. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's get to, uh, <laughs> let's get to my man. Irashafelwarchant.com. Hello, Ira. What's up, brother? How you doing, Jeff? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? I'm good, man. Just uh, trying to uh, figure out what we're going to see in these last five weeks. I, I, I am genuinely, um, comp- I, I really don't have a super strong opinion. I mean, I think they're going to play well, um, but it, the, there's going to be a couple of t- tough games in there. So I'm really curious to see what we're going to see. It's of vital importance, Ira. I've uh, I've centered my show around it today. Um, I don't know if you got to hear any or not. I know you're a busy man, but I, I really didn't focus a lot on the Clemson game. I wasn't angry after that game. Disappointed in some things, but not angry. I was angry after NC State. Um, I'm not angry after this game, but I am looking forward to the, um, you know, the, the 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 importance of these five games and how we play coming out of the bye. And I think they're going to play well, Ira. I think they'll play well. Uh, but I, I certainly allow for the idea. Or the fact that they might not, and I think it would be a really bad look and a problematic situation for Mike Norvell amongst the fan base if they were to go say two and three or certainly one and four. That that would undo a lot of the very good that Mike has done here, in my opinion. Do you share that? Oh yeah, I mean obviously one and four would be a disaster. Two and three wouldn't be far from it. Three and two still doesn't get you where you need to be, really, mm-hmm. um, because because it would say that you lost five of your last eight games and and um and you know part of it is you know tom and i talked about briefly on this sunday smash last night that that you know if the lsu game and the clemson game had been switched it wouldn't feel quite as bad right now because you would have had that early season loss where you would have moved on and then you you got at least one win in this stretch but when you lose these three in a row it, it now leaves you no margin for error in these last five games i mean i think that's going to be the challenge is they um you know, it's not like these are all just gimmies. And so, but I do think they should win four of them. Um, but we all know teams lose games they shouldn't. So that that would be, it would just be, again, t- <clears throat> tougher fans to stomach if they had lost three games, these three games, the way they, especially the NC State game, and then don't finish strong. Here, well, I'm going to give you a chance to mute you. Get that flim out of there, buddy. I know you're getting choked up at the thought of going two and three. <laughs> okay, you can unmute him. He's good. You good? That got me. <laughs> the idea. <laughs> well, I agree with you, by the way. I mean, for example, let's just say it right out the gate here. 
Uh, they ought to blow Georgia Tech out. This should not be much of a football game. You're coming off a bye. Georgia Tech's not good, period. You play the game at home, uh, you ought to win the game. Now, from there is where it really gets interesting. You ought to obviously win the Louisiana game. So the other three games are the ones that we're looking intently at, which is on the road at Miami, which right now is not very good. And I don't see a reason that you ought not go down there and win. It won't be easy. It's a rivalry game. They'll play hard. There will actually be fans in the stands. All of that's true. Um, but you should you could win that game, certainly. The road Syracuse game, I kind of can't get a feel for. I don't even know what Syracuse is. They keep winning. But good God, I just I, I refuse to believe when I watch them that that's a real good team. They are winning, but but they're not a great team. They're certainly capable of beating Florida State, to your point. And then finally, obviously, you host Florida, which is a mess defensively right now especially. You ought to win this game against Florida at the end of the year, period. You just should. Uh, they're, they're a bit of a mess right now. So, Ira, I think it's reasonable and I've just got done ripping fan collectives as a whole, but I do think it's reasonable to suspect that you're going to win, um, you know, three or four of these games. I, I think you should win four of them. Period. Yeah, and, and the reality is you could you could win all five of them, uh, but mm-hmm. you got to play well consistently and kind of get back to where you were earlier this season. I don't think it's all a matter of the quality of opponent. I, you know, I didn't think NC State was very good, um, and I think you could have played a whole lot better against Wake Forest. And so, you know, but if you can get back to playing the way you were, um, you know, really the first four weeks of the season, and I thought in stretches of the Clemson game, you saw that again. I thought uh, the offense looked much more determined. Uh, The offensive linemen were coming off strong. I mean, they were bringing the fight to Clemson. I was impressed by the way they – I liked the way the backs ran. Mm -hmm. Um, The receivers made some plays. Jordan made some plays. Uh, You know, and it's a weird discussion about, like, Who's more to blame after a game? You know, like, uh, you know, Corey was really hard on the defense after the game, and some fans on our message boards got upset about that. But I was not real thrilled with the defense. Um, I just don't think, you know, I don't think they made it very difficult for Clemson when Clemson had some of those scoring opportunities. So that's frustrating. But, but ultimately, it is how this team plays themselves. How they play is going to determine what they do in those games because you're not going to be at a, at a talent disadvantage, I don't think in any of those five games to where, you know, if you play well, you shouldn't win the games. If they execute and play to the best of their ability, they'll win all five of those games. Right. I believe that. Now, is it reasonable to, to, to expect anybody to play to the best of their abilities in five straight games? I don't know. I mean, that's probably uh, a debate fans have all the time. I, I do think it's okay to hold players and coaches to a standard – and, and, and meaning the standard that they've defined for themselves by evidence they've presented you throughout the course of the year of what they're capable of. Right, and it's, look, it's a big deal, and I think Corey's going to write something else about this for the site, about the running game and what they did against Clemson. It was amazing. It's kind, of kind of a historic performance um, you know, to do that against that Clemson defense. That's a big deal. And, and, and so, okay, well, that shows what you can do. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, and then, you know, again, defensively, if you get Fabian Levitt back, um, Jared Verse gets closer to full speed. I mean, all those things are really positive. You could maybe have the team in that last five games that you thought you were going to have at the beginning of the season. And the reality is, if you finish strong, I mean, like, we can worry about what happens if you don't. But if you do, yeah. if, you, if you finish 8-4, and 9-3, and three, go to a bowl game, maybe win a bowl game, now all of a sudden, man, the complete trajectory of this program is different than what people are thinking right now. 
and nobody even really thinks about these three games in the middle of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll always come back to this damn NC State game, but yes, I understand what you're saying. Uh, I agree. And by the way, and I've had to repeatedly say this on today's show, because I understand that the tenor of my voice or maybe the way I'm going about just speaking frankly about it makes it sound like it's negative. I'm just noting that these five games are of great importance to the perception of the program, to Mike Norvell as a head coach, and for the overall, I think, uh, demeanor of the fan base as to the way they perceive Mike in this program as well, uh, or health of the fan base. But I also think there are five games they are going to play well in. I do think that they'll go a minimum of 4-1 and one in these games. I think there is a good chance they'll go 5-0 and oh in these games. I really believe that. And I do see enough evidence to suggest that they'll come out and play well in these games. Um, Mike knows it's important. He can't be out here half-stepping. I mean, if you, if you finish this year 6-6, six and six, no, man, that ain't it. That's going to be a problem, a real problem. And I, I don't think that he'll have the overwhelming support that he'll need to come out of this thing and, and become a long-term answer at coach if they are six and six or five and seven or, you know, I mean, I don't know, seven and five is open for debate. How, it, how does it happen? I do think that there will be unquestionably a disappointment if they're seven and five after starting four and oh. Yeah, hundred percent. And then also, you know, again, it's, it's, it's who you beat, you know, and if you, if you beat, Florida and Miami, right? Um, and, and finish seven and five. Maybe that's not the end of the world. But but if you go seven and five, and those are the two games, and you don't win those two games, then it's a total different discussion. And and again, you know, this is a team that has shown they're capable. I think that, again, that's what that game to me. Both of these last two games, you played Clemson and NC State, two teams with two of the better defenses in the conference. Some people think two of the best defenses in the country, and you outgained both of them by an average of eighty-five yards. So that you can play. You can play with these teams. Now you just have to make the plays, the big plays, the meaningful plays, and not have the big mistakes. And then now then you're, you're, you're where you need to be. I just don't think you can – you know, some people say, oh, well, you know, they need better players. You need more talent. I don't know, man. If you're out gaining two of the teams that are supposed to be two of the better defensive teams in your conference, I don't know if you could just point to talent anymore. You've got to win games. Yeah, at some point it does become a very simplistic discussion. That's what I was saying at the outset. That like, hey, you've proven enough now to know. I don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to try. I don't have to worry anymore about the overall health of the locker room. I don't have to worry whether or not you know you're going to get blown out by anybody. You know, like I mean, these were all real things that we were worried about the last two years. In certain matchups, there were games where we thought, man, they could lose by fifty today. Um, I mean, seriously. I mean, we've had those conversations. Um, but we're not having those conversations anymore. And that is a that-a-boy moment. Collectively, as a fan base, we can say, that-a-boy, Mike, good job. We're not worried about whether or not the locker room's healthy, the kids are going to try, they're prepared, and they can compete. We're not worried about that anymore. So what do we worry about? Winning damn games. That's what we're worried about. That's exactly what we're worried about. So it's just fair. That's the way of, of the world. You know, again, people get all up in arms if you ever even suggest that a guy may or may not be here or be the long-term answer. They shouldn't worry about it. He's making $5 million. It'll be okay. They should worry about whether or not you're winning games. Now, I'm also saying don't be unreasonable. Note the successes. Note the progress. But hold them to a standard there, a standard that they've set for themselves. You're right to say that, Ira. They're a pretty good football team. They're not great, but they're pretty good. Yeah, and, and if you, again, you look at the, the, the things you know to expect now, because you said, you know, you think, you're, you think they're going to come out and play well against George Texas. I do. And, and, well, the reason you do is because you're not worried about how this team's going to handle 
three straight losses. You don't believe they're going to go in the tank and, and kids are going to start, uh, you know. Yeah, worrying about themselves, right. You're, you're not expecting that because we haven't seen that from this team. This no. team doesn't seem like that kind of team anymore. Okay, so you got that cleared. Can you play? Yes. We, they've shown you can play at this level. You guys can play with these teams. Then now the only thing left is to, to get it done on Saturdays, and that's up to the coaching staff. And, and we can talk about all the progress they've made. They've made a ton of progress. We, they have completely changed what this team looks like, and we just outlined why. The attitude, the effort, uh, to some degree, the talent level. But, but at the end of the day, you know, you can't just – you don't get like – it's not like in class where you get like a 75 or an 80 and, okay, you pass. I mean, it's not just, you know, you, at this level of college football, if you're making that kind of money, you're not going to get by with C's. I mean, it's not my, my high school report covers a lot of C's and B's. <laughs> but but that's, I don't think that's going to work for Mike Norvell. Last question. Ira, I have pledged to do a keg stand at Corner Pocket if the Knowles win each of their final five games. Will you join me? Here's the problem with me doing a keg stand, Jeff, is I need a lot of spotters. <laughs> uh, this isn't 22-year-old this isn't Ira. So, so I'm not sure that's in anybody's best interest. I'll funnel. Okay. Does the funneling work? All right, let's do that then. You'll funnel a beer if we win the five games uh, that we're talking about out in front of Corner Pocket while I do a keg stand. So we've got two of us out there together. In front of corner pocket, I'm doing a keg stand, and you're doing a funnel. funneling. It, not just funneling a beer. Funneling a beer would take like two seconds. A full funnel. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll oh, fill that funnel up. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> Mike Norvell, are you listening to this? I want you to win because you want to win, and you're paid handsomely to do so. But you've got an added incentive now. I'm out here doing keg stands while Ira's funneling a bunch of beers. <laughs> get off your ass and get some wins, Mike. Appreciate you, Ira. I'll talk to you later, buddy. <laughs> later. Come on now, Mike. No more pussyfooting. Let's get two. Five wins in a row, and the party is here. Now I've got FOMO. You can get involved. What? What? Well, now it seems like you've got an Olympics of things going on here. What other types of beer trickery is there? Well, to I thought I was going to do a keg stand later, but now it seems like you have a simultaneous consumption thing going on here oh I, if so you were already i got a shotgun a 24 ouncer no that's, that's, yeah, yeah, you can do that easily that's not well, that's also going to be uh probably some uh foam coming back up the other way yeah after. we don't need all that yeah well you can do we a keg stand then all right Just stick with that so then it could be symmetrical there'll be kegs on either side of ira too in the beer <laughs> funnel in the middle what a, what kind of operation is on three running down in tallahassee Shannon's going to be up in Nashville going, what are these? This is not what I paid for. <laughs> are they going live for this? this is, <laughs> <laughs> they stream yard a bunch of chugging. You just worry about subscription, Shannon. We've got it covered. We know what butters the bread. And there's Corey with a pint glass of vodka. Well, Mio and water and a little smidge of vodka. Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. 
Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. right now and you or someone you know is active military, a veteran, police officer, firefighter, nurse, or a teacher, listen in closely. It's uh, it's an opportunity here. My friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans is a hometown hero loan program designed to make a difference to those who make a difference in their community. It will save you a lot of money. Uh, if you uh, use them, they will waive all lender fees for all hometown heroes, $1,600 in savings right off the top there. Also, if you use their preferred Title company, you'll save more money, over $2,000 at that point. So uh, it's important, and they want to give back to those who give back. So if you're active military, a veteran, police officer, firefighter, nurse, or a school teacher, and you're looking to buy a home, choose Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. And I should tell you, by the way, in addition to FSUHomeLoans.com, where you can go and look them up and all that stuff, or call 844-FSU-LOAN, uh, every time you get a loan, 250 bones going back to Rising Spear. 250 bucks every time they write up a loan for you and get that approved and all that. Then you, you 250 bucks. There it is. I'm just so impressed with Rising Spear and how they've chosen Florida State for no good reason because they're not <laughs> affiliated. They're not affiliated with the, with in the any university. Shape or form, no. no way or fashion. Mm. They're they're not related. Not at all. It's unbelievable that they just continue to choose to support good people at Rises. Florida That's State. what it is. Yeah, it's amazing. What a coincidence, but good for them. Hey, I want to I want to address this again. I think I need to say it. Um, to to clarify, just so that people know, when we're having discussions like this, and I say things like, "Hey, man, fool around and go three and two over these next five, and it's not a good look, and it's a poor season, etc." People are like, oh, well, then oh, who are we getting, Jeff? Who are you bringing in? I'm not suggesting to fire him. I'm saying he won't have a lot of support. They're not going to fire him. Now, he goes 5-7. and seven, They could fire him, yes, and he would deserve to be fired at that point. But he's not going to go 5-7, and seven, and I don't think they're going to play poorly, and I am impressed with the job he's done overall. That's th- th- these, are, these are separate things, man, and – when we talk about the long-term viability of a coach, it we're, it's just that. We're talking about the long-term viability. We're not saying, hey, come hell or high water, you go three and two in these next uh, five games, you're fired. <laughs> no, we're not saying that. That's not going to happen, and nor would I think it would be a good idea. I also would feel like we were running in place, and I'd be disappointed because I think that there would be an inevitability to his career demise here. Here's the scary thing about this five-game situation. It's an analogy. These five games are kind of like the situational football moments of the schedule, if you take to my meaning. These other games that we played so far, the first seven, it's kind of like the 20 to the 20-yard line. Between the 20s, we're doing some things. Mm, mm. But you get down in the red zone, two-minute drills, third-down situations, fourth-down situations, things like that. Get off the field, stay on the field. That's what's holding us back from having a better record. That's what this five-game stretch feels like. Now you're into the situations. Now we're in the situations. Can you handle the situations? Got to handle these Please? situations, baby. Because if it's like what we see in a 60-minute football game, we're going to be very disappointed that we did not handle the situation part 
of the schedule. Do what you're supposed to do. You're in a position now to pay it off. I, I, I have every belief they're going to play well in these five games. I really do. So it's going to be a moot point. We're not going to be talking about having to fire the guy or anything like that. Um, and, and really, I think short of a complete disaster, uh, they're not going to. Tech is an interesting one because the noon kick does ratchet up the, the first quarter. You're not quarter. losing to Georgia Tech, Tom. Look, man, the first quarter is going to be watched a little more closely with a nooner. If it was a night kick, I personally would be a little bit more on not, autopilot. But I'm the noon kick, I'm not nervous about it at all. All right, well, that's good. I'm just letting you know. Don't worry about that game. Worry about the Syracuse game. Worry about the Syracuse game. Whoa. Wait a minute. No, no, that just, just hit saying, me. I'm just saying, worry about that game a little bit. So there's one in between those two opponents. Oh, the Miami game? Yeah. I feel good about us there, man. I feel really good. Oh, I'm going to okay. take it on down to South Florida, watch that ass beaten in person. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be there in the stands to tell them about it, talk to them about it, their feelings as they're watching it happen. I like that. I enjoy those moments. I've done that for the better part of 40 years. Having been there in some of the biggest moments that we were victorious, also in the moments in which they got to do that to me. Oh, and they take the opportunity. But so do I. So it'll be fun. Good times. Uh, Preston, I'm not getting down with Adrian Martinez at 30-1. to 1, But I do want to tell you something. I want to tell you this. Your boy here brought it up on the air. You heard my picks with my mother. Do you recall me picking the Jets on the road at Lambeau against Green Bay? Do you recall me taking New England as well to go into Cleveland and dominate? Well, I put my money where my mouth is and put a two-game money line parlay over the weekend at plus 750. Got to win them outright. Got to win them outright. Got to win them both to cash. And they cashed, baby. They cashed because your boy did. Bet him, money line, outright, parlayed those bitches. Why are you Boom! here? Boom! Why are you here? Why haven't you retired? Because I didn't bet $10,000 like uh... I should have. But but I did win that bet, and I boldly proclaimed the Jets would not only win. I, I said they're a better team than the Packers, and they'll go into Lambeau and win. They dominated that game. It wasn't very competitive. That's where we're at. The NFL gods are smiling upon you right now. That's two weeks in a row. I had a four-team money line parlay mm-hmm. the week before. Mm-hmm. Suck it, <laughs> NFL b- b- betting gods, all of you. I'm a Moneyline Parlay genius. <laughs> it's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, probables? There's only one game. Yeah, I should have probably pulled this up. My friends at Tulula are like, what are you doing, man? You got Delta get- plus 750. <laughs> All right, Aaron Savale, Jamison Tyon, you two at 7 o'clock tonight in the Bronx. Let's go, Guardians. Get it done, baby. Let's go, done. Guardians. Let's go, Guardians. That sounds so silly. Let's go, Guardians. Also, I would tell you, uh, way to go, Phils. Way to go, Phils. Braves weren't even competitive in that series. Mm. Paste it. Mm. Now go, Padres. <laughs> that was fun to watch. An 111-win Dodger team get bounced. Good work out of you. Good work, Matthew. Be well, everybody. Take care. Hang in there. We're all right. We're going to be all right.